0: moving in across the street from me. Hey, gang, look, there's a new kid moving Hey, brother, put yourself together. Come on, Charlie Brown. Get out of the way. Hey, guys, what did you see? Who is it? Oh, I think I see a piano. I hope he loves Beethoven. Beethoven, Beethoven. Maybe he will appreciate my natural beauty. I just hope he'll have an open mind about the great pumpkin. I think they have a toaster. It's not often you get the opportunity to start over with a clean slate. This time, things will be different. Thank you for watching that. Please, give your, please open your Bibles to um, Ephesians chapter 3 this morning. Ephesians chapter 3, it's where we'll be in verses 1 to 13. And thank you to Charlie Brown and his group of friends who we love for helping to illustrate and kick off this sermon today. And we have a theme today of a mystery. And what you saw there was Charlie Brown and his friends trying to solve a mystery, the mystery of the moving truck as they see a moving truck come into town come into the house next door and they all go to spy and figure out who is this new person what will this person bring to our lives you see people love a good mystery <clears throat> whether it be Charlie Brown and his group of friends or whether it be us <clears throat> throughout our life as children we may have used our imaginations more <coughs> excuse me to solve mysteries and as adults Because we don't have as good of imagination now, we tend to go to things like escape rooms and pay good money for them to put a mystery before us to try to solve. Or maybe we use mysteries in the TV shows we watch. We enjoy watching mystery shows. And I think of my dad growing up who loved the old show Columbo. Anybody remember Columbo? Him walking around in that overcoat and trying to solve these mysteries. Now... Things change over time. Maybe some of you still watch this, or maybe some of you have gone for just a little bit, like my wife loves watching Diagnosis Murder. Dick Van Dyke did a wonderful job in that show. Or I know I enjoy, or we enjoy as a family, um, or at least my wife and I, we enjoy watching the show NCIS with Gibbs. Maybe you enjoy watching these TV shows. Maybe it's other shows. Uh, maybe Maybe it's CSI from the past. Maybe you enjoy reading novels, books, stories like Sherlock Holmes or Nancy Drew. <clears throat> maybe you just enjoy thinking about being a sleuth and trying to solve these mysteries. You know, it is funny, though, that us as a people, there's one type of mystery we don't like. And that is when we're looking for a purse or a wallet or a set of keys that have been missing. Or maybe it's trying to balance the budget and try and figure out where are we going to pay these bills from. But overall, we enjoy mysteries. But it's not the mystery itself, it's trying to solve that mystery, it's trying to solve a problem. And in today's scripture in Ephesians chapter 3, 1 to 13, we're going to see a mystery revealed. But before we get there, I want to point out a quote from that Charlie Brown Peanuts um, clip. You see, it wasn't just talking about a mystery. He made a statement which applies greatly to the theme that we've been talking about in Ephesians. Let me say this for you. I quote, he says, it's not often you get the opportunity to start over with a clean slate. This time, things will be different. Let me say that again. Think about those words. It's not often you get the opportunity to start over with a clean slate. This time, things will be different. And this applies to what we're reading in, in Ephesians. Especially today, as we read about the mystery being revealed. You see, Gentiles now and have still today, through Jesus, we have this great opportunity to start with a clean slate. And yes, indeed, things will be different. For we're not trying to earn our own way to salvation, we're not trying to earn salvation through works. We can trust in Jesus as Lord, as Savior. And we can have salvation, even though we're not deserving of salvation. In fact, things are so radically different, so new, such a clean slate, that this was extremely hard for the Gentiles of the day with the Jews to understand. And in some ways, it's still hard for many to understand today. Many people still today don't come to Christ because they just think, I'm not worthy. And that's where it's our job as the church to show them that none of us are worthy, but through Christ we may be saved. Through Christ we may be saved. Paul explains this mystery yet again today. He goes forward. He just feels like as he starts in verse 1 talking about him being a prisoner for Christ, he gets so stirred up thinking about this mystery that he, he just thinks, I don't think I've milked this enough yet. I don't think they're going to understand So he decides to talk a little bit more about this, to take another break. Paul interrupts his thought once again, getting so excited about this mystery that's been revealed. That he takes another break from his purpose in verse 1. That he'll continue in, in verse 14. But he takes a break and says, wait a moment. I can't go on. I need to talk about this more because you don't get it. You don't get how amazing of a mystery this is that's been revealed. Let's read about this in chapter 3 of Ephesians, verse 1 to 3. You can follow along on the screen or in your Bibles, which are in front of you. Haley, if you could please transition the slides for me as I read. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. Let's stop there just for a moment. Notice Paul does not say a prisoner of Rome. He does not say a prisoner of man. Paul says he is a prisoner for Christ Jesus. Jesus. Are you a prisoner for Christ Jesus? Because we should be. We are owned by nothing else but Christ Jesus. Nothing else on this earth need control us any longer. For we are new in him. And Paul realizes this. But there's another thing about this. Paul realizes that he is not a prisoner of Rome. Ultimately, he's a prisoner for Christ and for Christ's purpose, for Christ's will. Because he knows that Christ has the power, God has the power to take him out of imprisonment if it was so to be his will and paul's going to continue to serve christ no matter what the circumstances are and we must too realize that we are prisoners for christ jesus and no one else no one else controls us let's read more actually i'm going to start back at verse one for this reason i paul a prisoner of christ jesus on behalf of you gentiles Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, meaning he has been called by God as a steward, as a minister for us, for you, for the Gentiles. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation. It's not some discovery that he made. It was something made known to him by God. As I have written briefly. When you read this, a reminder, we, they are reading this. This is a letter. Paul's not physically with them, although Paul wishes to be with them. And Paul's teaching them because he loves them. He cares for them. These are like spiritual children of his. It's like his church where he cares for and he wants to teach them. He wants to admonish them, encourage them. And he goes on, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. Meaning, as they read, they can just know, oh, wow, look at this knowledge that he has, this insight he has into this mystery. And they might know that this can't be coming from him alone. This has been revealed to him by God, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles and fellow heirs members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Verse 8, if you're following along, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to... "...to bring to light for everyone, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things? So that, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord." verse 12 now as we wrap up this scripture reading in whom <clears throat> excuse me in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him so i ask you not to lose heart over what i am suffering for you which is your glory Thank you for reading along with me. Today, we are talking of the mystery revealed. And as we open up this morning, we talk about mysteries and how much we love to solve mysteries, whether it be mysteries on a TV show, mysteries in a book or a novel, mysteries in our everyday life. In fact, even TV shows, excuse me, which, boy, I just got a frog in my throat this morning. Excuse me. Even TV shows which don't seem like like mysteries like detective shows are often still a mystery to be solved. As you're watching, and even in movies, and even in other books, they're trying to figure out something throughout that show. Even movies like The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, or books, they're trying to solve a problem. Mysteries are part of our everyday life. But there is a difference between the mysteries we solve and the mystery here we see in in God's word of Ephesians chapter 3. A big difference because the mystery which Paul speaks of in the Greek word mysterion is something which is beyond natural knowledge. And what we mean by this, and Paul makes it very clear, what this word means is that it is beyond our ability to solve on our own. Paul did not discover this answer on his own. He didn't go about with a notepad questioning people, interviewing people, and trying to figure this out on his own. He was divinely inspired, divinely given this mystery, given this wisdom. God himself, Christ himself gave him this knowledge. Paul's words in Colossians 1.26 reinforces this idea. Colossians 1.26 saying, "...the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations..." But it's now disclosed to the saints. Not discovered by the saints, but disclosed to the saints. It's something previously undreamed of, which is now disclosed to the believers. It's a secret made open. And there's a great application here. We have a great understanding now of God's word, of salvation, of his grace, of his mercy, it's not something we've been able to discover on our own or given on our, or, or earned on our own. It's something that's been revealed to us by God, and we must take, not take that for granted, but treasure it. We're told later in script, on in the scripture that it is riches, and it must be treasured. <clears throat> Here in Ephesians, the mystery was hinted in the last chapter we read, where Paul says in chapter 2, verse 10, we are God's workmanship his masterpiece his masterwork. we are new spiritual creations new in him and in verse 13 it says that we are brought near through the blood of christ it said that we have peace and this mystery is further opened up to us in verse 15 where we're told about this nearness this reconciliation which we could never bring upon ourselves And then we're told about this new humanity, this third race of humans, the church, which now exists. This mystery is being opened up. A door which was once closed, as we talked last week, is now being opened wide for understanding to be known. But it's only because of Christ, and it's only through the Holy Spirit that these things are known. And in verse 1, he begins to pray. As we get into today's scripture. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. But then all of a sudden he stops. He is still caught up with the thoughts of this mystery, so caught up that he wants to milk it some more. He takes a knee before moving on to verse 14, which he's going to say in the end, For this reason, I kneel before the Father, and he prays for these people. Paul has trouble leaving this marvelous news and we should, too, we shouldn't just skip over this mystery that's been revealed, because it is truly great news. So Paul, in verses 2 to 6, he begins to digress. Digress meaning he begins to temporarily take a pause, take a moment to take away, to, to go away from his initial purpose. He was moving forward, and all of a sudden he realized, no, I can't be done. He digresses what is this mystery? He says, he, he decides, I need, to, I need to explain this again, just a little bit further. And he says, this mystery, he says, is that through the gospel, these Gentiles are now heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, partakers together in the promise in Christ Jesus, three things he mentions there. Now, Israel still has some of their own promises But we're heirs together with Christ Jesus. We now have Christ Jesus, a promise, a hope that they never had before. They never dreamed of having before. We talked greatly about that last week. We're members together of one body, the church. And we're partakers together. We share together in the promise of Christ Paul takes a knee. He pauses for a moment. And I, I want to think as he's writing this, he probably all of a sudden thinks as he writes that, I, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And he thinks, wait, I can't move forward yet. I can't see their faces, but he's probably thinking their jaws are probably dropped. They're gasping. They're saying, what is this guy writing to? What? Could this guy be serious? Who is this man? Is this really Paul? I mean, this would be crazy news for them to think that Gentiles of all people could be heirs with them, members together of one body, partakers together in this promise of Jesus. So he, he takes a moment to talk about this reconciliation once again. Jews are now heirs together, members together, partakers together. All of this we spoke of in chapter two, but he, he, he goes deeper. The big idea today that I want you to see is this. The mystery of the gospel is that God allows all people to be saved through the act of Israel's rejection of Jesus as Messiah. Even though Israel is rejecting Jesus as Messiah here, or has, Gentiles and Jews alike still have this great blessing. This mystery is being revealed to them that all people may be saved through the act of of the Messiah's work upon that cross. By his grace through faith, we who are Gentiles have been allowed to become God's people. May say that again, by his grace through faith, we who are Gentiles have been allowed to become God's people. And there's great application with this. <clears throat> you see, God reveals the mystery of his grace through the church. Because we now have this great mystery revealed to us that all God's people, Gentiles, Jews alike, can be part of his kingdom. Allowed in, allowed access to him. It says direct access to him. We have a responsibility. You see, we're transitioning to this new section. Getting ready to transition to the responsibilities we have. God reveals the mystery of his grace through the church. And because of this mystery being revealed to us, we are called to make God's glorious riches known to others, even if at great personal cost. And that's what Paul continues to do. That's what Jesus' apostles do. They continue to make the mystery known to all. They continue to think about the glorious riches that have been made known to them, and that's available for others, too. And even if at great personal cost, even if causing them to go to jail, to be persecuted, to be executed, they will continue to glorify God and do his word and his works and preach his good news of peace of Jesus. That's a big application there. It also makes us think, how do we as the church, and I'm not just talking about Bloomer Baptist Church, I'm talking about the universal church How are we together as Christians representing this mystery to all? How are we together as Christians representing this glorious riches which we know? Are we telling others of the riches which we have? In this passage, Paul explains that this is a turning point of all history. God's plan of redemption is now being made known to both Gentiles and Jews alike. In this mystery was built up for generations, but revealed in pieces through the law and the prophets. And now the culmination is this, that God would send his son, his one and only son, Jesus, to die upon the cross so that we might all have life. No Jew or Gentile had ever conceived of such a mystery in their wildest dreams. But now it has come to be, and Paul is in amazement of this. He's astonished of this news. And he continues to tell us all of it. All the nations, all the people of God's created earth needs to hear this news. But if you remember, Paul explains previously of the Gentiles' differences, and we talked about this last week as we did a little bit of a survey of the relationship between Gentiles and the Jews. I shared last week how the Jews of the time thought of Gentiles. They thought at one time that the Gentiles were only created by God to, to fuel the fires of hell. They could not even think about eating aside a side of Gentile without praying to God to make them clean afterwards. But then I think, do we treat people of this world the same way sometimes? Now you may not have that thinking in your head as we're walking about the world that oh, all non-Christians are just created for the fire of the hell. But when we choose not to share our faith, not just share these glorious riches with our neighbors, with our friends. We are treating them as if we think that they are just fuel for the fire of hell and they don't deserve to hear of the riches of Christ. We need to take this seriously and go out and tell the world, tell your neighbors, tell your friends. All people need the good news of Jesus. Now, as we move on to verse 7 to 13, we move on. Paul moves on from talking about the mystery being revealed to talking about the ministry surrounding the mystery revealed. I picked some titles that are tongue twisters this morning, but the ministry surrounding the mystery revealed. That's what Paul goes into. Paul, having held this ministry up on high for all to see and understand, now he exalts in the ministry which he has been blessed with, been given. Let's read on with verse 7 to 9. If you have the Bibles open in front of you, read. follow along with me. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So much here to consider. Don't skip over that last part though. Riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. God created all things, and God has held these things. These mysteries have been hidden by him, but now he is (coughs) revealing the mysteries through Paul. Notice three things here. Number one, Paul understood the great responsibility he had in declaring these truths, which now had been revealed. Number one, Paul understood the great responsibility of these things. He understood that this was a mystery throughout generations beforehand. But now he has this great news to share. Number two, Paul understood his place in all of this. Again, he's telling us of the ministry which he now has. But with humility, he recognizes that it is all by God's grace, God's power. God made him a minister by God's grace. As he says, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given To preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Notice his humility. In verse 8, he again speaks of how he is the least of all the saints. And yet by the grace of God, he's been given this responsibility to preach to the Gentiles. Paul had a profound understanding of his own sin. And to Timothy, in 1 Timothy 1.15, he says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. I am the worst. Paul, this man who we think of probably like here a lot as we see all that he did for Christianity and for the church, for God's will, God's purpose, says he is the worst of sinners. To the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15, he stated, for I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle. Because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God was with me. He knew what he was, but he also knew of God's grace that was with him. Paul could not get over this immense privilege that he had in ministering to God's people all of them. Notice number three now. Again, number one was Paul understood the great responsibility and privilege he had. Number two, Paul understood his place in all of this. It was not his own strength, his own wisdom, his own discovery. It was something that God gave him. He was humble. And then number three, notice Paul's understanding of the mission. The message was to preach of of the riches. And to bring light to everyone. To show God's plan of salvation to everyone. Everyone that was hidden, everything that was hidden, has now been revealed to everyone. He had a mission, number one, to reveal the mystery to the Gentiles. And two, straight from Scripture, to reveal the mystery to the Gentiles. And two, to bring to light. To bring to light. Here Paul sees himself as a double-privileged man a double-privileged man, as he has both been chosen, been called, been made a steward. The mysteries have been revealed to him, and he has been called to display these these revelations to other people in the church and the Gentiles alike. But now we come to us. You see, Paul understood these things, but do we? We all have this same mission to make the peace of God, the love of God through Jesus known to all. We all have the same responsibility, the same ministry to show God's love, to show his peace to all, to make disciples. The church has a purpose, a mission, a responsibility. And God reveals this mystery through this church. God uses each and every single one of us to display his mystery revealed. But more than that, look to the following verses and be in awe that God uses his church, his people, his followers, not just to display his mysteries revealed to one another, to Gentiles, to people around you, but to spiritual forces, to angels. Verse 10 says, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, the church is to make known, show the wisdom made known by God, the mystery revealed. We're to show this to people in our own communities, our lives. But as we do these things, it's also God making known the mystery. There's a supernatural for us, for us is the angels. And not just the good angels. Yes, we know from Scripture that indeed the angels do look down upon us. They see us. They see our workings. And they celebrate with us in Luke. <clears throat> Luke chapter 15, 10. The angels celebrate when a sinner repents. But they also see the church. And as they celebrate in learning... The church being unified together. They celebrate how God can bring Gentiles and Jews alike into his kingdom. And the, unfall, the unholy, the fallen angels see this too. Satan himself sees this too. But they tremble as they see that if God is victorious in this, he will also be victorious over them. He will trample over them. What a thought! To consider that the church's actions today and how we glorify god is even being witnessed by the angels and they are learning and they're praising god even more as they see the church coming together being united but over the past year we've seen a lot of the opposite haven't we we've been seeing a lot of the church being disconnected being being divided and that's not what god wants that's what satan wants and he's having a heyday with that we need to make sure we come together. And that's what Paul reminds us through this gospel. He reminds us of the great blessings we have, this letter, this epistle. He reminds us in Ephesians the blessings we have and the responsibilities we have as Christians. He reminds us that we have been reconciled, brought near, restored both to God vertically and horizontally to one another. And we need to reconcile each other, forgive one another, and move forward with god's mission god's purpose god's will on our mind you see we don't come to this church we don't live in this world with our own pride to hold high to look for our own purpose our own desires our own appreciation we need to put those aside and just as paul says as he begins that he is a prisoner of christ jesus we need to realize the same We are a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and that is a good thing. We need to think of his will, his purpose. Think of glorifying no one else but him. The church is helping to teach the angels of God's wisdom and giving them more reason to praise God. What a thought. The church's purpose is huge. We are on display for all to see. What does our display look like to those around us and to the angels looking down or looking above or looking around? John Stott suggested that the church has three grand facts surrounding them, three big importance. First, the church is central to all of history. Second, the church is central to the gospel. Ephesians teaches that the complete gospel involves both preaching of Christ... And the mystery of the church. Paul is preaching of this mystery in two ways. Gentiles coming to Christ and to one another. Christ died and rose from from the dead not only to save us, but to create us a new humanity, a new group, a new people group, the church. Third, John Stott says, he says the church is central to history. The church is central to the gospel and the church is central to Christian living. God created us to be together. God commands us to fellowship with one another and we need one another. And that's not just physically in these walls once a week or twice a week or whatever it may be, but we need outside communication as well. We need to be there for one another. And let me take a moment to say, I didn't cover this part. But at the end of this section, we also get this hint again that in whom, verse 12, in whom Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Through our faith, because of Jesus Christ, we have boldness, we have courageousness, we have all we need, we have access to him. You have access to God through Jesus No longer do we need this this priest in between us, this curtain in between us. We have direct access to the Lord of all creation through Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit. And we need one another too. We need this Christian living. The text ends now by by Paul alluding to his suffering. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you which are of your glory. You see, Paul was willing to to pay any price to see the church move forward. Paul was willing to be in any circumstance to see Christ's purpose and will be done. He was willing to do whatever he needed to do to continue to disciple these followers, to continue to encourage them, to admonish them. Are we willing to do the same? What do we give up for Christ? Are we willing to speak to our neighbors, speak to our friends? Are we willing to be on display at all times? Or do we hide who we are because we are new in Christ? Paul understood the sovereignty of God. He was God's prisoner. God is in control of his life and he will serve him in no matter what circumstances he finds himself in. Do we understand the sovereignty of God? Now, I understand we don't, we can't fully understand it, but we can understand a morsel so of it that the same God who created the universe, who brought all these prophecies together to be fulfilled through Jesus, he's still in control today. What are we gonna do with this? Will the church take the responsibilities seriously? We must fellowship together. We must be reconciled vertically to God and horizontally with one another. Forgive one another as we look to the purpose that God has through the church, as we look to the future that he has for us. One pastor stated, and I like this quote, the bottom line is this, the church is not an option for believers, nor is supporting it an option. You are immediately part of the church as you come to faith and trust in Jesus. He says, I'm not saying you must go to a physical building, the church, to be a Christian, But you also do not have to go home to be married. However, if you do not frequent your home, your relationship will not be what it's meant to be. Attendance and participation in your local church should not be seen as optional. It's a profound thought, a powerful quote, isn't it? I'm not saying that you must go to church to be a Christian, but you also do not have to go home to be married. We need the church. We need one another. We need fellowship together. Paul's gospel, Paul's message here, Paul preaching the good news of Christ was both preaching of Christ and the church, that we've been brought together, heirs together, members together, partakers together. Gentiles and Jews alike have these great promises and blessings. But so often we treasure just certain parts of these blessings instead of treasuring the entire glorious riches that we have in Christ Jesus. You see, we need to treasure it all. We need to see the great blessings in not just meeting here, but meeting in our homes, in small groups, in Bible studies, in prayer groups, over phone calls, calling each other when you're in need, calling each other when you're struggling, calling each other when you need some encouragement, calling each other when you're, when you're falling down in your faith, when you're falling down and not holding up, up the God's righteous ways. But we also need to call one another and praise God together when things are going well and God is being glorified in your life. There's a quote that says, if we only attend worship on a Sunday morning, we're robbing the church and ourselves in and Christ. And I think that's true. If we only attend worship, we're robbing the church and ourselves and Christ because God desires, God ordains, God planned the church to be so much more. We're not just to be a Sunday morning group of people. We're supposed to be a group who's together every single day of our lives. And I'm not meaning that I need to go hang out with Sam Fallender every day. I'm meaning that we're together as one group, of body, one, group one body universally all around the world. And we can continue to worship him together, serve him together, study his word together, pray to him together, take delight in the glorious riches that we have through him together, no matter where we're at. Also, since Christ in his church has the only answer for the world around us, we must be involved in sharing our faith together. I would encourage you as you leave today to think about the thought that evangelism is not optional either. Think about a neighbor. Think about a friend. Think about a coworker who needs to hear of these glorious riches in Christ Jesus, which you have. All people who do not trust in Jesus need to hear about these glorious riches that are found in Christ. Who's somebody in your life that does not know of these riches? And yeah, you might say, well, pastor, I don't know all. I don't know who is or who is not. But really, somebody should have evidence of their faith in their life. So if you don't know, then maybe it's time you ask. So before you leave today, I just ask you to think about a name. Write a name down on your bulletin. Write a name down on your hand, on your finger. Children, make sure it's okay with your parents first. But write down a name of somebody to talk to. And to ask them, do you know of the glorious riches that are found in a relationship with the Father through Christ Jesus as Lord? Do you know of the glorious riches? Do you know of the salvation that's found through Christ alone and the great blessings of the church? Let's close in prayer and song. Please bow your heads. Lord, we thank you for we are saved by your grace and mercy that you gave us your son Jesus to die upon that cross, to raise again three days later, to show victory over our sin. Lord, we are saved through you alone. And we thank you for this salvation, which is so free and clear. And Lord, we pray now, we pray now to help us to reveal these truths, these mysteries, not just to one another, not just to, to people around us, but to be on display for even the angels in a way which glorifies you, both fallen and non-fallen, both holy and non-holy angels, both Satan, may they see the workings of your church glorifying you in what they do and may they tremble and praise you. Lord, we pray that we might be used for you and we might accept your gifts, Lord, which you so freely give to us. May we appreciate the freedoms that we have through you the salvation. May we appreciate all that we have in the mystery being revealed that both Gentiles and Jews alike now are members, partakers, and heirs. We praise you today, Lord. And it's in your holy and powerful name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Please stand and let's close in song.